0: Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: The giving aspect of what makes life beyond just wonderful but full.
0: One of the greatest things about Christmas is opening presents, right? We all enjoy giving and receiving gifts this time of year. Of course, the tradition of giving gifts started in celebration of the greatest gift ever given, the Lord Jesus Christ. Of
1: course, the ultimate example of giving that we have is
0: Jesus. He is really the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus giving
1: made his life wonderful and can make our life wonderful.
0: I'm Rick Freeman. Merry Christmas and welcome to Crosswalk. It's hard to believe, but Christmas is almost here. We've been making our way through the Christmas season in a series entitled, It's a Wonderful Life. Each week we've looked at a different character in the Christmas story and what it was about their part in the story that gave them a wonderful life. Today, Pastor Clay is taking us to a passage that you may have never heard before at Christmas time. But as you'll hear, John chapter 1 tells us much about the greatest gift ever given. Thanks for being with us. Now, here's Pastor Clay.
1: I want to talk for a few moments this morning about the, the aspect of a wonderful life. That is giving, the giving aspect of what makes life full, what makes it beyond just wonderful but full. When I was, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, uh, my dad, and and a lot of you know my dad was a a dairyman. He owned a dairy farm, and he, uh, besides his dairy farm, he leased some land from another man that he kept some other cows on. And uh, the man that he leased the land from, I, I didn't know anything about this uh, until after the man died. But he he lived alone. He lived all by himself. He lived in a very small, very uh, meager uh, home. And um, nobody knew a lot about him. Just that he had some property, and my dad happened to lease a piece of property from him that he put cows on, uh, and. And my dad told me about this afterwards, that after the man died, that um, if, if it was like a week before the lease payment was due, and he hadn't received the check yet, I mean, not even past due, if it was like before the lease payment was due, uh, the man would call my dad and say, well, well Mr. Stevens, I, I guess you don't want to lease my land anymore. Uh, and that's, that's, how the, that, that's how the guy was, apparently about everything. When he died, and everybody was blown away, apparently, when he died, uh, they discovered that he was worth, and I forget the amount, folks. This was this was back in the early '70s, but but it, he it was worth like seven million dollars. So they discovered this guy was worth seven million dollars, or eleven million dollars, or you know some insane amount of money. And and nobody nobody knew it because he, he didn't show it, he didn't he didn't express it, and he didn't give it. Uh, apparently, he he left it uh, to nobody uh, afterwards. From what I understand, all of the money went to. Uh, the, the Humane Society in that area he had he had quite a few cats, um, and so they went to humane Society. i don 't know whether that was a court ordered or whether he actually put that in his will, but the point is here 's a guy that that lived and died alone because for him, apparently at least from looking at from the outside, for him, it was all about getting, even though he didn 't really even use it on himself, apparently, it was all about getting the possession the 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 receiving of what he felt was his. It was all about the getting and nothing about the giving. Of course, the ultimate example of giving that we have uh, is Jesus. And this morning, I want to share with you and run through with you uh, three characteristics about Jesus' giving that, that made his life wonderful and can make our life wonderful. Three characteristics, and we're going to look at it from a passage of Scripture that you've already heard this morning. John read a few moments ago from John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can be opening there right now. Uh, We'll have it up on the screen as well, but I always encourage folks, bring your Bibles... Uh, hard copy, electronic version, however you like to do that, but bring your Bibles, open your Bibles, feel free to, to make notes in your Bibles or, or in the uh, sermon outline that you're given. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Now, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 is not a, a passage that you automatically think of as part of the Christmas story, but I think it belongs right there in the Christmas story. I really, I really do. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. John read it a few moments ago. I'm going to read pieces of it as we work through the text this morning. But we're looking at three characteristics of giving, ladies and gentlemen, and how that leads to a wonderful life. First characteristic that we're going to look at this morning is this. This is the characteristic. Surrender. He gave up himself. Let me read uh, verses 1 through 3 and then 14 and and 15. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And then verses 14 and 15. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. And truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Surrender. He gave up himself. Now, let's suppose this morning, and, and some of you probably have read this passage of scripture perhaps many times, but it is quite possible that there's someone in here that's never read this passage of scripture before. Now, let's suppose that all of us were to be reading this passage of Scripture for the very first time. At this point, we don't know who the Word is. If we're just starting in, this, in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was halagos, as it says in the Greek. The New Testament was written in originally. You can probably hear our word logic in that word lagos. It's the, it is the wisdom. It is the knowledge. It's the In the beginning was the Word. So at this point, we don't really know who the Word is if we're reading it for the first time. All we know is that the Word was in the beginning. Now, don't miss the similarity, and some of you perhaps even catch it as you read it, don't miss the similarity between between the opening of John's Gospel and the opening of the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. Genesis 1-1 opens with... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1 1, 1 opens with, In the beginning was the Word. So, in other words, before anything was, before anything was created, there was the Word. So, John is speaking to us. He's, he's, uh, he's leading us towards this idea. Give me the, the first, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, go on. The eternality. Thank you. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. The eternality. John's leading us toward the eternality of the word. In other words, that's, that's, that's a big word. I don't, it's the eternal nature of the word. So, remember, we're reading it first time, so we're not, not sure. We don't know a lot about the word, but we know that the word was eternal. In the beginning was the word. By the way, I, I guess I should back up since I, I put this in. I, I meant to mention this at, at the beginning just so you guys will know, but... Because I said a moment ago that you don't normally think of the book of John when you think of the Christmas story. But when you hear the word uh, gospels, any of you ever heard somebody say about, well, in the gospels, uh, it's referring to the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the gospels. The word gospel simply means good news. And so uh, the gospels are the good news about Jesus. Those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give us the birth, the life, uh, the teachings, the miracles, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, uh, some of the Gospels record some of the same accounts, some of the same stories, some of the same teachings, some of the same Miracles, but they do it in, from different perspectives and bring out different uh, aspects of it that we might not see in a, in, if we didn't have that particular gospel. And you take those four gospels together, combined, and you have this fuller picture of exactly who Jesus Christ was. Remember, we don't know it yet as we're reading John's gospel. We're just, we just know that he's referred to the, this, this logos, this, this word. Well, who is that? Well, we know that he was eternal, the e- eternality of the word. John goes on in uh, in the second part of chapter of verse one. in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God y 'all see that looking at it on the text and the word was with God. the preposition with that 's used in that sentence uh, means to or or towards it uh, it implies let' see how I can put this it implies a a connectedness; it, it implies an an intercommunication on the deepest level of of personal uh, intimacy. The, the Williams translation, which is one of my favorite New Testament translations, the Williams translation really captures the essence. Because I want you to get a hold of what the Williams translation says: is "This and the word was face to face with God in the beginning." There's that much closeness, that much connected, that that much. Similarity, And so it brings us to the second aspect of this, which is the equality of the word with God. We've, we know that he's eternal. In the beginning was the word. And, and now we know that he's, that he's equal with God. And the word was face to face with God. Goes on, the latter part of verse 1. And the word was God. Well, even if you were reading this for the first time, uh, you probably could have uh, jumped to this. You probably could have guessed at this one, right? You probably could have seen where John was leading with this. Just go ahead and say it. And the word was God. He's eternal. He's equal with God. So the word is God. The word was God. Listen, I know this is a lot. You know to take in, but but if we if we don't break this down, I, for me, I think we miss some of the key elements that that John is trying to bolster here as he's writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. John, remember, John makes this declaration in the first part of, of his book. Okay, in chapter one, he makes kind of this this great grand. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, you know, all those things that John read just a moment ago, and then he basically uses the rest of his book to show why that statement is true. So this is really kind of important. This first part, the. Eternality of God, the equality of God, and the deity of God. And the Word was God. He is God. Whoever the Word is, we're not sure yet, but whoever He is, He is God. Now, the uh, fourth aspect uh, is in verse 3. It's the creativity of the Word. Verse 3 says this, All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. This, again, is pointing us to this fact. John, you can see John is establishing this fact that the Word is God. Because, because when you're talking about creativity or, or creation, that is only applied. God is always the subject when, when, that, is, when that is referred to in scriptures. Listen to me. Man can make. Only God can create. In other words, man can can take from what is, and and some of you guys are so talented. It's amazing to me what, what you guys can do. Sometimes I, I have this I have this uh, this plaque thing that uh, that sits in my office. That's these that's these three crosses that are made out of brass. I don't know what all it is, but Rocky Chwinski made it for me, and and it's just it's just amazing to me that people have talents and gifts and abilities uh, to be able to do that. My grandkids come up, and they, a lot of times they'll ask me said. Uh, who, 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 who made that for you? And I said, Mr. Rocky made that for me. I get to tell him over again the story about some of you guys have amazing creativity in the sense that you can, you can shape and make from what is. But only God uh, can, as we say, ex nihilo. Only God can make from nothing. And we've just been told that God created, every, that the word made everything that was and nothing that, was, that has been made was made apart from him. It's the creativity of God. Okay, so so what do we know? We know that he's eternal. We know that he's equal with God. We know that he actually is God. And we know that he is creator of all that is. All right? Now comes the next aspect of it. It's the incarnality or the incarnation of the word. In verse 14 and 15, it says this. Watch. Now listen, This, this, this is just... And the word. Remember John's been building this case in the beginning of his word and he's said t- all this grand stuff about the word, the word, word, the word. And then he gets to four verse 14 and he says, "And the word became flesh." I'm telling you, in, to, to, to the Greek mind in, in those days, that would have just been. What? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And the Word became flesh. It's the incarnality. It is the idea that God became a man. Listen, this is important. God didn't just look like a man. God didn't just... uh, Take the shape of a man or appear as a man. God was born to a virgin named Mary in a little stable, in a little town, in a little country 2,000 years ago. And his mother and Joseph named him Jesus. God became a human being. Now, that in itself, that... That idea, as I was working through this, I said, man, that that raises two questions for me. Two mysteries, what I call two mysteries. What what I would consider quite possibly the two greatest mysteries in the history of the world. The first one is this. How can God become a man? No, really, I'm asking. How can God become a man? Because if you're waiting for me, I got nothing. I I have no idea how immortality can put on mortals. I I can't even begin to plunge the depth of the mystery of how a virgin can conceive and give birth. I can only tell you that that's what the evidence reveals to us and more importantly, that's what the Word of God proclaims to us. The Word became a human being. Now, that's... That's a lot to think about. How, 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 does, that, how does that even get happen? But bigger still to me, a bigger, greater mystery than how can God become a man is this question. Why would God become a man? And some of y'all heard me. I, I get stuck on this sometimes because I can just ponder this for days. Why? Why? The, and you can blow your mind if you think about it probably too much. And so that probably explains a lot about me. But why? Why would God become a man? Based on what we know from Scripture, was God lonely? No. Say it with me. No. Was God incomplete? No. Was God uh, missing something? No. Was God bored and so he had nothing better to do? And so he set up this great cosmic stage and we're all just players in the game, puppets with nothing better, you know, just acting out for his amusement? No. No. It, 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 is, it is mind-boggling to think, why would God do this? And yet, even as I say that, I, I understand that there is an answer to this question. And you already know what it is. It's love. It's love. That is the only reason why God would do it. Now listen, I still don't understand why he loves us. That, that's just, I'm, I just got to leave that in the mystery of the Godhead as to why he would choose to love his creation. But he does. And it was his love that caused him to give up himself. Listen, think about this, ladies and gentlemen. The greatness and the grandeur of heaven for the simplicity of a manger. He got up off of his throne so that he could be laid in a manger and eventually laid on a cross. if, if, If that doesn't if that doesn't move us to some sense of wow at the thought that God would choose to do this for us, then, then something is wrong with me. And I need to check out what it is because his love is absolutely mind-boggling that he would choose to do this. But it's exactly what he did. Watch this Watch this video. You know,
2: throughout my younger years, I was privileged to spend a lot of time on my grandfather's farm. There is so much to learn from life on a farm. And I'll have to admit, my grandfather was the master of the teachable moment. On one very hot summer afternoon, after drawing a bucket of cold water from the well near the house, I began to drop little pieces of stone down into the well just to listen to the splash. Suddenly, a large hand grabbed my shoulder. Solemnly, my grandfather began explaining to me that that well was the family's only source of water. Tommy, he said, what's in the well always comes up in the bucket. I don't think you want to drink rocks, do you? You know, my granddad was right. What's in the well always comes up in the bucket. The writer of Proverbs said it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he really is. Jesus said it this way, out of the abundance of our heart, we speak. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Now think about this, all over this world, there are billions of desperately thirsty people. They need the living water that resides in the heart of every one of you who know Christ Jesus as your Savior. We're all charged together to make disciples of all nations. And right now, by standing on tiptoe, we can literally see the ends of the earth, but it's crunch time. And for us to fulfill the Great Commission, it's going to require everything that we have. We have to be totally His. We can't live where we live and drive what we drive and wear what we wear and eat what we eat and at the end of the day call it sacrifice. Folks, something is going to have to be given and it begins with giving everything of yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's your faithful giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that enables people around the world to know the truth of the gospel. And it's because of sacrificial support that others like Scott and Alyssa Brandon can stay focused on the task of making disciples on the one hand providing clean water for Burmese immigrants who so desperately need it while at the same time providing the message of the living water in the Lord Jesus Christ and when Christ enters their heart they then can carry that truth into corners of this world you'll never visit yourself so give sacrificially give out of your heart after all, what's in the well does come up in the bucket.
1: I show you that video to help you understand that, that the fact that Christ gave up Himself, He surrendered the, the majesty and the glory of, of heaven to come to earth to be a man, that that, that, should, that should inspire us and awe of us, but it should also motivate us to think about the fact that I can give up myself. Some of you have heard me talk about it before. You've heard others talk about it. I, I wrote about it in my, in my pastor's perspective this week, and I'm sure you all read, that talks about this, this thing we call the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we take up every year at Cross Culture Church. Now, the way we do it, we, give, we, we encourage people to give a, a small amount every month all through the year so that by the end of the year they can give even more, that they will have given more than maybe at just one time at Christmas time. But that's just one example. The International Mission Board is an agency that that you help support. If you give uh, your tithe to this church, part of the percentage of that goes every week to the to the cooperative program, and those dollars go part of those dollars go to the International Mission Board. The International Mission Board puts five thousand currently somewhere right around the number of five thousand missionaries on the field all over the world. Five thousand. Think about that number now. Now it's a drop in the bucket compared to a population of seven billion on this planet. But 5,000 are put out there, and they're out there because of giving. Through weekly giving to the cooperative program, and 50% of the budget for the International Board comes at Christmas time with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Now, I've had people uh, say, well, you know, if you didn't take up this offering, you, people might give more money, uh, you might have more money for the, for the church. It's, folks, you understand, this, this is about surrender of what we would want or what we would think, and, and, and saying this is about giving up what I think I'm due or owe or, or whatever, and think about what God would desire for us to do. That's a wonderful life where you can give away because you know there's something more important, and which brings us uh, to the next uh, characteristic of Jesus' giving. Sacrifice. He gave of himself. He gave up himself. He gave up his, his, his rights uh, as, the, as, the, as the king on the throne. He was God. He, he, he gave up that right... By the way, I need to say this before I move on. Everybody look at me, because I want to make sure that no, nobody misunderstands. He did not give up being God. Okay? Well, make, make sure you, you understand that. We don't want to, any heresy entering here today. He did not give up being God. When God took on flesh, he did not stop being God. He became the God-man. Yes, it's true. He gave up the the splendor of heaven. He gave up up some things temporarily, but he did not give up who he was. Sacrifice. He gave of himself. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness uh, did not comprehend it. Some translations have did not uh, overpower it. There came a man from God whose name was John. He was... He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. In other words, John, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. He gave of himself. Listen, to talk about... What, ...what God gave up, okay? To the giving, what He gave up. To talk about it, talk about the majesty and the glory... ...and the, you know, the wonderful splendor of heaven... And, ...and, you know, taking off His royal robes... ...to put on swaddling clothes and, and all that kind of stuff. To, to talk about that stuff is great, it's fantastic... ...and, and it's, it's good, it's important... ...but if it stops there, if we stop there... ...you and me are in a boatload of hurt. If the story ends there with just the fact that God came down... ...and hung out with us for a while... We are in a boatload of hurt. Because the story doesn't end there. It's not only about his surrender, it's about his sacrifice. It's about what he came to do, what he came to accomplish when he came here. He gave of himself. Liberal theology would like us to focus on the teachings of Jesus... And the example of Jesus. The, the good example that he gave to us of the type of life that a person should live and how a person should put others' needs before them. And all And certainly that, that is true. Certainly those are great teachings and great... Certainly Jesus was a great teacher and a great example. As a matter of fact, I, I think I can safely say that if the world simply followed this one teaching of Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 6, I think it is, uh, treat others the same way you want them to treat you you thought if, if the world followed that one teaching of jesus all wars all crime would cease to exist i believe on this planet because it because it puts forward the basic Principle that God gives to us that other people are more important than yourself and that you should think about them Really even more than yourself But in what in the way you would want people to do to you treat you in business in, in love in, in marriage and in, in In traffic in whatever in the way you would want people to treat you That is exactly how you should treat them and if we just follow that one teaching we'd be great So he was the perfect teacher He was the perfect example but that's not primarily why he came. He came to be the perfect sacrifice. He came to give his life that you and I might have eternal life. I, last night, uh, I don't know. It was late when I went to bed. I don't know. It was 12:30 or something like that. By the time I got done just going over my message and praying and that sort of stuff, and when I get in bed, I can't. You know, especially uh, it's on Sunday night. I can't. My mind's kind of going, and I can't just wind down right away. And and the TV's on, and and so uh, the movie uh, Memphis Bell was on. Any ever seen that movie? Uh, okay, <laughs> not, not a box office hit apparently, but it, but it's a very good Memphis Bell is the story. It's a true story. It's a story of the first uh, bomber in World War II, the first B seventeen that came back uh, and, and completed. It's you, listen. It was so horrific, uh, and, and we uh, <laughs> the history guy is coming out at me, but but. Today's generations are so neglectful of our history and what people have gone through in order for us, what they have sacrificed in order for us to have what we have. And I, and I, I just, I hate that. But it was so horrific. The B-17s and the B-24s that flew missions um, in, during World War II, uh, the, the odds of them coming back alive were so rare. As a matter of fact, it was so rare that it was just, all you had to do was complete, and I say all because it was a big deal, 25 missions if they If they survived twenty five missions that team that that flight team were retired. Memphis Bell was the first plane that finally did it and, and the movie is about their last mission in into germany and uh, and how that all went and I'm sure you know there's probably some embellishment and they glamorize it and all that kind of stuff but but the fact is. I was thinking about those men, and I was thinking about uh, those men that stormed the beaches at, at Normandy on D-Day and, and just faced horrific machine gun fire, knowing as they got off of those landing crafts that it was virtually certain that they would not survive. You want to think about the, uh, the men that, that served on the sea and, and on the land in the Pacific, and, and, and we could go to every theater and every war and, 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 and every branch of our military. And I know this is not the 4th of July, but I was just thinking about the fact that these, that these people did this. They do this willingly because, they're, because they think that it's okay and it's right to sacrifice for, for their... Really, ultimately, what they believe is for their, for their country and for their loved ones and for their family. Do you know what is mind-boggling? Jesus did that for the world. Jesus did that for his enemies. which We talked about that last week. We were his enemies before we came to Christ. Jesus sacrificed in that way. Look at this passage of Scripture. Um, Matthew 20, thank you. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man, watch this, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a what? Ransom. A ransom for many. Look at this in uh, John chapter 10. For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. It is sacrifice. Listen, can I say this to you? Again, just like the first one, just like surrender, same thing with sacrifice. What, what he did for us provided eternal life, provided the opportunity for any person to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that should inspire us, but it should also challenge us to say, what about me? Now listen, we can't sacrifice in the same way that Jesus did, right? You and I cannot die so that someone's sins can be forgiven. That's a Jesus thing. He's the only one who can cover that because he's the only only one who ever lived a sinless life. He's the only one that makes a, a pardon and forgiveness. He's the only one that makes that possible. But in a very real sense, you and I can give our lives in sacrifice so that others can hear the message of Jesus. That's part of what that video a moment ago was all about whether it's the other side of the world or the other side of the street or the other side of the, the office where you work or the, or the other side of the classroom or wherever it is, to be able to, to, to sacrifice and say, you know what, wow, I can give of myself. It's okay to talk about sacrifice. And listen, I know, believe me, I've, re- I've read pretty much all of them. Basically, every book on church growth, church planting that deals with this subject, virtually every one of them say the same thing. You cannot, do not push today's generations, do not ask too much of them, do not mention the S word, sacrifice, because that'll scare them off, they'll run off, they won't be interested in it. And yet, everything that I read in God's word tells me exactly the opposite. It tells me, teach them to die, teach them to give up their lives, teach them to walk away from anything that they think matters, and to follow me. So it's okay for me to say to you, what What will you sacrifice in 2014 so that the kingdom of God can advance? What will you give up? What will you rethink? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's time for you to get a. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Who knows what's going to happen here? But uh, maybe 2014 is a year that that you're gonna you need to get a, a new automobile. Great, we need those things. We got to get around. It's a culture in which we live. All that kind of stuff. Um, and if you're the kind of the person that, that buys new and you can afford to buy new, fantastic, man. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> but is it possible that you could think sacrificially and say, you know what? I could buy a two-year-old vehicle and save the difference. Uh, whatever that difference was of what I've saved up, I could give that to some kingdom advanced purpose or, or the difference in pay, payment that I could give. To. It's, it's thinking sacrificially. That, that is a wonderful life when you begin to understand that i can give it away because it's not about me so that we could become a part of the body of christ all right let me give you one other idea this morning salvation he gave us himself he gave us himself let me read 12 and 13 and then 16 and 18 and we'll we'll bring it to a close But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. In other words, this is a God thing. You couldn't do it if you wanted to. Verse 16, for of his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Listen, by the way, can I just say this? It doesn't mean that the law was bad, okay? It's not saying, no, the law was given so that we could understand that we could never do it on our own. That's the whole point. Grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained or revealed him. Or you, you preaching students, the uh, word literally, he has exegeted him. It's, this is, it's not just about surrender. It's not just about uh, sacrifice. It's the totality of it all it's it's this whole thing of who he is and what he did for us and what that makes possible for us that we were by the way John uses this phrase begotten the second time that he's used the only begotten god or the only begotten son of god As a matter of fact John uses it 5 times until he uses it more than any other writer uh, in the bible in the context of talking about Jesus it does it's not referring to a biological son or fleshly son way too much heresy has been started by that misinterpretation. In, in, this, in this context, the idea of begotten has to do with the, uh, the, the unique aspect of the Son of God. That there is, there is no one else like Him. And, and here's the thing. Because of what He did, you and I not only are no longer under the wrath of God when we come to Christ, we, are, we actually move into the family of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get we we receive the right. We don't earn the right. We don't. We receive the right to become sons and daughters of God. Not like the begotten. He is unique. He is he is perfect. He is sinless. He is God, eternal. No, we, we do not become little gods, little G. Okay, we do not become little gods. But we become adopted into the family of God. And all the rights and privileges that go with that become ours. Sheesh, that's good news. <laughs> Look at this, uh, Romans chapter 8. Uh, and if children, if, in other words, if children of God, say that word with me. Heirs. Say it out loud. That's, that's your word. That's you. Heirs. Heirs. Heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. If we're actually part of this body, if we're actually, you know, have come into relationship with him, we are heirs with him. Look at this one. Uh, Paul uses this a lot, man. Galatians chapter 3. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. Spiritually speaking, you're Abraham's descendants. You are heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise God made. Look at this one. Ephesians chapter 3. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow, say it, heirs. The the Gentiles, y'all, unless there's somebody of Jewish uh, descent in here, you're all Gentiles. So that's you. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Y'all are too spread out or y'all would be much more excited about this, I'm sure. You want one more? Look, Paul, he just, he loved, Paul loves that word, man. Look at what he says in Titus. Titus chapter 3, verse 7. So that being justified by his grace, nothing you did, nothing you earned, nothing you worked for, nothing. Being justified by his grace, we would be made, say it, Heirs. heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Listen, it's, this is who he is. This is what he did for us. And it is a message that must be told. But can I tell you this? As good a news as this is, there is a work in this world that would desire to prohibit from this news ever being heard. Did, did y'all hear? This was just this week, I heard, it may have been Friday, in the morning news, that a, a school in Long Island, New York, y'all hear about the school in Long Island, New York, that changed the lyrics to Silent Night. Uh, for the class, taught the kids new, new lyrics to the silent night, removed all references to God, Christ, babe, you know, born to a virgin, you know, removed any semblance of that because they didn't want to, here it is, offend anybody. Would somebody please explain to me how a God who would love us so much that he would give of himself and give up himself and give so that we could have a relationship with him, how can that possibly be offensive to know that God loves you that much? I don't, I don't, I don't get Um, I also heard this week uh, a story that I'd never uh, heard before. But um, in a a county in uh, Indiana. What was the county? Tyler, do you remember the name of the county? Uh, Me either. (laughs) There's a county in Indiana that 15 years ago uh, said, we don't want to offend anybody, so we're going to remove the nativity scene from the courthouse. Y'all have heard that goes on in some places, right? (laughs) Used to be every courthouse in America... Oh, well, don't get me started. Anyway, uh, 15 years ago, uh, this county in Indiana uh, removed its uh, nativity scene because they didn't want to offend anybody. Uh, A man who lived there in that county took that ruling, went home, made a mobile nativity scene set it up in the back of his pickup truck, and every night for the last 15 years during the Christmas season, he's been driving his truck down to the courthouse and parking it and still standing there there for hours. In the cold, in the in the whatever, so that people can still see. For 15 years, he's been doing it. He, I was reading an article about it, and um, I, I, his name's just gone right out of my head. I'm sorry, I can't remember it. But uh, in an article, he was... Uh, he said, he said, I've been through two knee replacement surgeries, open heart surgery. He said, my kids keep asking me, are you going to give it up now? And he says, he said, no. He said, I, I, I said, I, I, haven't missed, I haven't missed a night yet. That guy is my hero, man. He, he is my hero. Because he, because he says, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to surrender. It's okay to sacrifice. It's, it's, it's okay to, to count the cost and be used by God to make a difference so that others can hear the message of the kingdom. I wonder if we are willing to pay that cost. God did it. He gave so that we could have a full life. We can have a wonderful life if we do the same for others.
0: Pastor Clay is right. The Christmas story really is a love story. You know, it's hard to imagine how much God loves us, but He showed His love for us by sending His Son. The Son of God surrendered the glory of heaven so that He could be a sacrifice for our sin. He became our Savior and made it possible for us to become children of God. What a gift! What a Savior! As I said when we started today, He really is the gift that keeps on giving. Have you given your life to Him? Merry Christmas, everybody, from all of us at Cross Culture Church. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross-Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7, and we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not